It's got a soul, this hero farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We walk the fields under the stars. For love is here in Goldshaw Farms. Welcome to Goldshaw Farm. I'm your host, Morgan Gold. On each episode of our podcast, we bring you stories of people who are homesteading, farming, and chasing their dreams. And right now, I am actually avoiding and procrastinating making dinner. Um, because we live in the middle of nowhere here in northern Vermont, uh, you know, there's no real takeout options for food. Um, it forces us to be a little bit more self-sufficient in terms of cooking. I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing at all. In fact, it's actually a good thing. It makes you much more conscious of your food. And I've found that, especially since I've been living out here full time for about the last year and a half, uh, my culinary school skills have uh, vastly improved because I need to be cooking and I need to be figuring out how to prepare my food. So it's not just about raising your food. It's also about preparing your food out here. And, and I think that that's pretty great. I think people often overlook, uh, you know, kitchen skills and how you prepare your food and how you think about the ways that you prepare your food uh, when it comes to homesteading oftentimes. I think it's sort of underrated. I think a lot of people put that attention to growing their own food. But, you know, even if you're not in a setting where where you can't be growing food, whether you don't have a large enough space for a garden or you can't have any chickens or, or whatever your situation is, there really are very few situations where it limits you from actually being able to prepare your own food. And and kind of growing that skill set in the kitchen, I think, is almost as important as, as it is to be doing that, um, you know, figuring out stuff to work out farm, you know, whether it's growing vegetables or raising animals or working in forestry or, or whatever you might have, carpentry. So... Today, my guest is is a homesteader, um, someone who's been doing this for a number of years, and and she has really built up a tremendous amount of knowledge when it comes to really kind of that vintage revival of a very old-fashioned set of skills. Um, she is Jill Winger of the Prairie Homestead blog. Uh, she's also got a YouTube channel by the same name. And, and, you know, I had a chance to sit down with Jill and have a conversation with her about the idea of embracing a simpler life and why people are embracing a simpler life and, and kind of what steps you could take uh, to, to embrace that simple life. And so to do that, um, and so when I was down in Virginia a couple of weeks ago at the Homesteaders of America's conference, I actually had a chance to sit down and chat with Jill. And so... Today's episode is going to be all about my conversation with Jill Winger of the Prairie Homestead and all about that old way of doing things. I grew up in northern Idaho, actually, not on a homestead. It was just this little suburban kind of 1990s neighborhood, just typical, typical childhood, nothing special. And now where do you live today, exactly? I now live in, well, it's north of Cheyenne, Wyoming, out on the wide open prairie uh, on a 67-acre homestead. Now, that's a big transition, I mean, yes. from suburbia to the open prairie. Yes. How, how do you make a leap like that? 
I, I blame it on the horses. So it all started with horses. I've been one of those little girls who I was obsessed with equines from a very young age. And when I started to get into high school and I'm like having to decide what I wanted to do with my life, the only thing I wanted to do was horses. And there's not a lot of horse stuff up in Northern Idaho. So I found this little community college in Wyoming that had a horse program. I figured I could get everybody to stop asking me about uh, higher education and go ride horses at the same time. So off I went to this little, little college in Cheyenne to study horses. And so that, that brings you to Wyoming, mm-hmm. but you know, did you, when you're coming out of it, did you want to do what you're doing today? Like, what was the dream? Like, how do you yeah. make that progression from just, okay, so studying horses mm-hmm. to working with horses, I'm assuming is yes. what you did out of college Yes. to ultimately homesteading. That's a, still a transition. It's still a jump. Yeah. So I, I never really was super interested in farming. And of course I never heard of homesteading back then. That wasn't a thing. Um, but I always did want to live rurally. Like I always had dreamed of having a barn and a, a big yard or acreage. So I met my husband in Cheyenne, we got married and we started looking for our property, our first house, and we wanted land for the horses. And so that's really at that point, the only reason we were looking for property was horse property. And lo and behold, we found this little tumble down farmstead of something we could afford. And it was this weird, it was almost like this light bulb of inspiration because almost simultaneously as we started to sign the papers on this property, like I just was hit with this idea of how can we make it productive? And I went from like making, I was the girl cooking junk food. I thought organic was stupid. Like I was totally not interested in that lifestyle. And all of a sudden I was like dreaming of compost piles and chickens. And it was like, I think the land was this weird catalyst for it. And when you say the catalyst, like, Mm -hmm. was it the fact that you were doing these things that got you acting differently or was it just the surroundings that got you acting? Like what was like underneath that? Yeah, I think it was the surroundings. I'm also a very frugal person. So it was the first time in my life I'd had a mortgage and it was a little scary. And I'm looking at this, this blank slate. And my first thought was we're going to be paying X amount of dollars every month for this land to live here in this house. How can I help it pay for itself? Um, little did I know that sometimes, you know, getting a milk cow and growing, a f- growing food can actually cost a little bit more. But it was this wild dream of I want to be productive. I want to, if we're going to have this land, I want to do as much as I can with it. And it was really, I think it was, it was that thought even before we were officially moved in. I was thinking of how we could be producing. Mm. And, and now, as you do that, I mean, I think we all get into that place, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like you start producing and you're seeing you're probably not making real money yes. off the back of it. Maybe a little bit, but not... You're not getting rich. No, no, not by any means. <laughs> you might just barely be paying for itself. Um, what keeps you going? Then? So that's a great question. And I've had that question a lot with, with it, whether it's business or homesteading, because we had a lot of failures at the beginning and it was definitely not profitable at the beginning. Um, for me, it was just the love of the lifestyle, I think. And I was, was happy that I had, we were landowners for the first time. That was a dream of my husband's as well as a child. And it was my childhood dream. So it was that romance of being landowners and that rural lifestyle that kind of kept us trucking through the hard days at the beginning before we had the full vision. It's, it's funny you should say that the landowner piece is a big yeah. thing. Like, yeah. Because I remember for me, as I was looking for my farm, like yes. the idea of owning land and having a place that's like mine, because yes. I was living in, in DC at the time and like, you know, in part like a condo situation almost like, and, and like there is something about owning land that makes you feel that sense. Like what, yes. what underneath that drives that? 
I think the freedom. Yeah. Uh, and the big part for us when we were shopping is we didn't want any covenants or HOAs or anything like that. Well, not to say you can't homestead in that situation, but it was that idea of just owning that that piece of the, the of America, and it was ours, and we could stake our claim, and we could give it to our children. And um, neither of our parents had had that. We have family members in generations past with land legacies, and that had been lost in various ways. So to kind of like that idea of reclaiming that. And, and just owning a piece a piece of, of the prairie that was ours. Well, it's funny you should say prairie because I, I think you're a fan of the Little House books. Of course, yeah, yes. Right? yes. And, and I actually just uh, about a month ago reread all of them. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't read them for very, like, since I was like, a kid. Yep. Like, and um, it was interesting to see how that land and constantly looking for that land played. Like if you look across all those books, yes. right? Such a big role for that family. Absolutely. But that's part of, like, the American West in general story, right? It is. And we're kind of mimicking that in many ways. But I think it's that same that same drive. You know, they left the East. They wanted more space. They wanted more freedom. Uh, they wanted to be able to breathe. And as modern homesteaders, we're still doing that in our own way. <laughs> yeah, it's just a matter of, I guess, the spaces just look different today a little bit different. than yeah. 150 years ago or whatever it was. Yep. Yeah. Um, now, another thing I know that that's really important to you, particularly to the heritage side of things, mm-hmm. is really looking at the older ways of cooking and yes. food preparation, how to do that. Yes. How do you get engaged in that beyond just sort of raising your own food and, and thinking about how to preserve your own food? Yeah, I always tell people, I think, if they want to get into homesteading, the number one thing they can do is to look at their food. And even if you don't grow your own chicken or, or vegetables or beef yet, just learning the skills in the kitchen is going to pre- either prepare you for that down the road or just make you a lot healthier. Um, and we've lost a lot of that. Like it's, it kills me how many culinary skills have been relegated like to the good old days. Like I hear people all the time, oh, that's the good old days. I'm like, why can't you take that and bring it now? Why does it have to be in the past? Um, and we've really bought into that messaging that cooking is drudgery and cooking is hard and so we shouldn't have to do it as modern civilized people and we've lost um a lot in the process of believing that right i mean well you know and i think back to it like there's like this like expression of love when you mm-hmm. prepare a meal for whether it's friends or new people you're meeting or yes. whatever like family like it's that that expression goes into the food itself absolutely it changes it it's like not to get like weird or mystical but there's something like all the cute little magnets. Oh, love is the special ingredient. Like it's kind of true. Like it actually, <laughs> there's a difference food prepared with human hands versus canned food or boxed food. Like it, there's something about that. We should, I don't know somebody should research that at some point. <laughs> yeah. See if there's some different vibrations or yeah, something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a heartbeat. Thing. Yes, it's there's a, something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oils in your skin. Yeah. As you're chopping that. Yeah, we chicken. stick your fingers in the yeah. bread. And that's something. It's magic. Yeah. Um. So, so as you guys have been setting up your farm and homes, so you mentioned it was sort of a kind of reclaimed property, mm-hmm. essentially. Like, what was part of the struggle to get to where you are today? Oh, man, there were lots. I think initially the biggest issue was just finances and learning how to budget. Because, um, you know, everything's expensive, barbed wire and fence posts and animals and, and shingles. So that was our initial struggle is wanting to do all the things and not being able to afford it. And then time, of course, which everyone is short on time. I think time is our most valuable resource. So just learning how to still be modern people, you know, because we still drive cars and we still have kids and activities and then still um, leaving space for the homestead projects, which really are what kind of ground us and keep us rooted. Mm. So I guess both of those though, are dimensions of prioritization. Yes. And, and so how do you and your husband like drive that for mm-hmm. your, your homestead? 
Um, I think there's an element of sacrifice. If you are going to homestead, there's some things you have to be willing to give up. And I can't tell you exactly what that's going to be because it's different for every person. For us, there's different aspects of local social life that we just have had to opt out of. Um, whether it's, you know, for me, mom and mommy and me play dates or, you know, those sort of things or really ex- elaborate birthday parties or things like that. A lot of sporting events for the kids. We do some of those things, but we also know that we're giving them other opportunities or giving ourselves other opportunities in the lifestyle we've chosen. So it's it's being willing to say no when we need to say no, which is easier said than done. Hmm. Just like prioritization of anything. Absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah. I can yeah. see that. Um, do you ever worry that you're going to find yourself in a place where you're like fed up with it all and, and sick of having to do a life that's frankly really a lot of hard work mm-hmm. and you'd say, you know what? It's too hard. Why don't I just keep it easy? Why don't I keep it convenient? I'll order some takeout and call it a day and move on to the next day and have more time to myself. Like, do you ever worry about that? I actually don't. Um, mostly because I wanted that you know, to live in the country and to have a farm, even though I didn't know what homesteading was. I, I wanted that so deeply since I was a child. That's always felt very secure. Um, sometimes though the work does get it's a, it's a grind. And so what I've just done is I give myself grace and, um, it's really easy. Even I do it, even though I'm on, I am a social media homesteader. You look at the social media homesteaders or anybody and you're like comparing yourself and you feel like you're behind or you need to keep up with certain things because everyone else is doing it. And for me, it's been uh, a lesson in giving myself grace. And just, if I don't want to do something for a season, then I don't do it. Um, honestly, like right now we haven't milked our cow in a while. We've just let the calf stay on her and now she's dried up preparing for her next pregnancy. I was launching a book, we were traveling and I couldn't do it and trying to force it in would have been misery. Um, and so being okay with that, which do I like buying milk? No, I don't. Um, but I had something had to give. And I think those little compromises is what keeps me fresh. And I'm really looking forward to when she freshens again and we start all over. All right. So now as you're looking ahead though, you know, we're kind of I don't know, for me, especially as it gets really cold and yeah. I'm breaking up ice in the mornings, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the end of, of the growing season yes. and into the winter and then looking ahead to next year, what sort of projects are you starting to think about as you look out into the future that you want to try to tackle on your homestead? Yeah, we're always building something. So I think right now we're in the middle of a barn remodel. We kind of remodel everything about every on a five-year cycle. It's a little out of control. Um, so finishing up the barn, I'm kind of getting a milking parlor for the first time. Uh, working on some fences my biggest dream project which I think is maybe crazy I'm not sure if it'll work is a hail netting for my garden and we have a raised is hail that big a problem for you huge problem Whoa. yeah we lost a, a huge portion of our garden this year and uh in our area there's like three different quadrants or four different quadrants there are somebody at some point of every single year is getting wiped out with hail it's just insane so um it's like Russian roulette. I put all this time and money into the garden and I never know when it's just going to be hammered. So I have this idea. It's like this crazy, I've never seen anyone do it to string like this really strong cable across and have like some sort of, um, orchard netting that we can pull back and forth. Cause I can't really build stationary ones. So that's like, my, it's all, it's all, <laughs> so as you're describing it, I'm picturing like, um, like the, like a baseball stadium yeah, with a retractable dome that's what I do. Exactly. <laughs> for your garden. No big deal. That's what I need right there. <laughs> that's <laughs> I'll awesome. patent it and we'll sell it to everybody. That'll there you go. Yes. <laughs> so for somebody who's listening to this and they're working an office job and dreaming of their own homestead or finding some land, what advice would you have for them if they wanted to get started on this path? I think 
Number one, start before you feel ready. Because I get a lot of emails from folks who are saying things like, well, in three years, I'm preparing to get my first chicken. And I'm like, you know what? You can get your chicken a lot, or multiple chickens, a lot sooner than you think. Um, So dive in before you're ready. Because never with anything in my life that I've done that was worth doing, have I felt 100% ready when I started. Um, And the other piece is, if you don't know where to start, start with the food. Because we all have to eat, and that is very connected to homesteading. Well, I really enjoyed that conversation. Um, I, I enjoy talking to Jill because I really identify with her in terms of the the type of setting that she described growing up in and finding, you know, by way of the land and by the experience of being in a place as a way to make you want to live a different type of lifestyle. I've, I've very much found the same thing. And, and so that, that was something I really appreciated from our conversation. If you want to learn more about Jill, you should uh, definitely check out her website, theprairiehomestead.com. Uh, and she also actually has a podcast that I've been listening to a lot lately, especially as I've been outside doing chores. It's called Old Fashioned on Purpose. And really in each episode, she kind of goes through some how-to stuff and education on key things that you should be thinking about around your homestead. And if you are really interested in some of those old-fashioned skills and old-fashioned cooking, you should also check out Jill's book, The Prairie Homestead Cookbook. It's it's a really great resource. We actually have one here on the farm. And it's just got some great education and information, recipes, how to really bring in things back to the old way. And, and so if you're looking to boost your skills in the kitchen and boost what you're doing around the house in terms of how you're living on your homestead or farm or even apartment, uh, be sure to check it out. It's, 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 it's a really enjoyable read and really well written and it's got some great content. That's it. That's all I've got for this episode. Uh, if you want to learn more about us here at Goldshaw Farm and what we're doing as we try to start a farm in Northern Vermont, be sure to check out our YouTube channel. It's a uh, name just the same way as this podcast, the Goldshaw Farm. Um, you know, take a look at it. We produce two videos a week, every Monday and Thursday, uh, really trying to tell stories about what's happening here on the farm. And, uh, yeah, lately it's been interesting as a mix of, of watching the ducks and geese and dealing with more predators. Uh, just the other day I was out doing my duck chores for the night and around five 30, I, I hear a rustling off in the grass and, and I, look out there. And at first I thought it might've been one of the barn cats out there stalking a rodent of some sort, but I looked and I actually saw them on the opposite side of the fence closer to me. And so on the other side of the fence towards the woods was where I heard this rustling noise. And so I actually reached down and, and picked up a rock and tossed it towards the direction where I heard that noise. And immediately a bobcat, a large bobcat sprung out of the grass and started to bound off back into the woods. I think I almost hit the thing with a rock just by pure dumb luck. Um, but, you know, the idea that I was out there at like 5.30 at night with my ducks to have a bobcat like 20, 25 feet away from me kind of freaked me out. Um, and so that's one of the things we're dealing with at the farm. And I've got a whole video about the experience. But if you're, if you're curious about what we're doing on our farm, be sure to check out those videos. 
And that's it. That's all I've got for this week's episode. I'll be back next week with another edition of the Goldshaw Farm podcast. But until then, I will ask my good friend, Mr. Keith Pierce, to play our theme song. It's got a soul, this hero farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We work the fields under the stars. The love is here at Goldshaw Farms. City life, yeah, had its charms, but we would dream of the fields under the stars. I fall asleep inside its arms, the love is here at Goldshaw Farms, the love is here at Goldshaw Farms.